This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by Fabuplus Magazine, the world's only body positive health, fitness, and lifestyle magazine with weight neutral content dedicated to the everyday woman. Fabuplus Magazine celebrates women and fosters a sense of belonging with content that relates to women of every size. I love this magazine because it is so refreshing to see a magazine with body diversity. And you can get 40% off your subscription by going to summerinandin.com forward slash Fabuplus and entering code SUMMER40, that's S-U-M-M-E-R-4-0, at checkout. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 111, and I am interviewing Louise Green, author of Big Fit Girl, about what is so problematic about the fitness industry and how you can change your relationship to fitness and movement so that it becomes something positive in your life. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this podcast at summerinandin.com forward slash 111, because this is episode 111. Before we begin, I just want to give a shout out to... Mrs. B3, who left this awesome review for the podcast. This podcast is so very important for anyone who is searching for body image help. I listen religiously and I owe a lot of the progress I've made in my recovery to Summer and her guests. Do yourself a favor and give it a listen. Thank you so much, Mrs. B. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already done so, please take a minute to leave a review for the show. It helps others to find it and get the word out about what you're learning here. You can do that by heading to iTunes, searching for Fearless Rebel Radio, then click Ratings and Reviews and click to leave a review or give it a rating. In addition to that, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to this show via iTunes or whatever platform you use. Lastly, don't forget to grab the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. Today's guest is Louise Green. Louise is a thought leader in creating a world where everybody can realize their athletic potential regardless of their size. Over the years, Louise has coached over a thousand women to realize their athletic potential at every size. She has tenaciously dedicated the last decade to disrupting the fitness industry by creating a counterculture movement where people of all shapes and sizes can feel included. Green rocked the fitness section at the bookshelves where she released her groundbreaking book, Big Fit Girl, in 2017. Louise believes that everybody, regardless of their size, has the right to sweat, endorphins, and victory. I have the good fortune of living close to Louise. So we've met up in real life a couple times and she is just so passionate about this work. So I know you're going to love this interview. Check it out. Hi, Louise. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I know. Finally, right? I think we've been talking about this for a while. So I'm so glad I finally got you on here. Yeah. So you have such a great story. And I'd love for you to share with our listeners how you got to where you are today. Well, I was very much like many women out there that was chronically 
dieting for more than a decade, trying to be something that was seemingly impossible to me. And I remember one day picking up this running magazine and looking at this felt lean runner on the front cover and thinking, that's my ticket. If I run, I'm probably going to look like that. So I joined this Learn to Run 5K clinic in Vancouver on Denman Street and was absolutely terrified, was petrified I'd be judged, that I would be the biggest person. They'd leave me in the dust. They'd leave me behind. I had all this fear attached anyway because I really wanted to become a runner. And on that night, our run leader introduced herself and she And it was literally the first time I'd ever seen a woman who looked like me in fitness leadership or even as a runner. All the magazines I'd looked at, all the fitness media and advertising, I had never seen anyone that looked like me and who was kind of owning it. She wasn't she wasn't on a journey to weight loss. She was just like living her athletic dreams in in the body she had. Mm-hmm. And I worked with her for 12 weeks and I eventually crossed the my first 5K finish line. And just working with her was completely profound because she coached people in a different way. It wasn't about bikini season's coming or tank top season, let's work hard. You got to earn that body. There was none of that. It was all about just digging deep into being the best athletic self that we could. And she actually never mentioned body size. And it was completely new and profound to me. Yeah, that's so amazing. And so how did that inspire you then to become a trainer? Well, I ended up running a bunch of races and I hired a personal trainer. And this trainer asked me, who also kind of had the same ethos around fitness and, 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 uh, body size. She was another person that I encountered in the fitness industry that just never mentioned body size. So I had some really great people supporting me through my journey. And this particular trainer was also one of the in-training coordinators for the Sun Run. So those are the groups that you'll see in the neighborhoods around Vancouver that are training for 10Ks. And she asked me to step up and be one of the run leaders. And so I did that on a volunteer basis for a number of years And um, I don't know, actually, if I've told you this, but I worked in the film and television and advertising industry as, as a talent agent. And so basically, my job was to assist with casting of television commercials. And I would be running on the weekend and leading these people to believe in themselves. And like, all these people would be looking at the run schedule, and they'd be like, there's no way we can. And I'd be like, you can, I've done it. And high end endorphins. And then on Monday morning, I'd go into the office and sit down at my desk and tell people these beautiful, you know, typically beautiful actors that they needed to whiten their teeth or, you know, they needed to conform their bodies to a different size based on the feedback that I was getting from the producers. And I was like, one day I was just like, there's no way I can do this anymore. Like these two lives are just not reconciling anymore. This is, you know, this started to feel very wrong to me. Mm -hmm. And so I eventually left that job and I left to open basically give back to women what had been given to me. Um, I opened a business that was specifically for plus size women to carve open a space 
where people could have the opportunity to unleash their inner athlete without the fear and intimidation and the misunderstanding that many women of a certain size encounter when they're approaching fitness. Mm-hmm. That's it's so needed. And I think that you're doing incredible work. And I'm curious to know, you know, through your fitness journey, how did that change your relationship with your body? Well, basically, through running and through the coaching of these other coaches, I started to appreciate my body for the achievements that I was seeing through it. So it was like, I, I'm, I really enjoy challenging myself physically. So it became more about that than aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Where leading up to that, it had always been a tool for calorie expenditure and to look a certain way. And after having this experience, it was no longer about that. So it really shifted things for me in in an incredibly profound way. Yeah, that's awesome. So I would love to get your advice on how to change your relationship to movement. So I think a lot of people listening and probably much like yourself when you started out, a lot of people have a tricky relationship with it because it's always been about changing their body. So what is your vi- advice to someone who wants to move their body but doesn't want to trigger those old patterns and beliefs. Well, I think the old patterns and beliefs are very hardcore. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I wrote a piece about this yesterday about all or nothing behavior. And so I know for me, and I know what I see a lot with the women that I coach is this extremeness. Mm -hmm. So there's like this hardcore Uh, you know, uh, what I call all mode, right, where it's balls to the walls. And so, and the reason I think that that's why we are tied to that kind of behavior with fitness is because the results that people promise require that. So when we see in the checkout line, five simple moves to rip dabs or lose two dress sizes in 28 days. In order to achieve that, it is balls to the walls. You have to be hardcore and extreme. But what we know about that is it's not sustainable. So Mm -hmm. if when I'm trying to move women away from that type of behavior, because we know it doesn't work, it's not healthy, it's not sustainable, I try to encourage them to be extremely gentle. So do the opposite of balls to the walls. So what I start people off with in in my coaching program is one or two days of exercise only and Mm. it can't be like and I have um, different videos that people do and it's very beginners so I say to people even if your fitness level is beyond that I don't care because we're trying to establish a different mental practice yeah and I think that that's like that's it's such a hard that black and white thinking is so hard to overcome because I think we just have this mentality that it's not good enough if we don't do the balls to the wall. Yeah, I mean, sorry to keep using the balls to the walls, but it, it's like, it, it really is like it, it requires all hands on deck to achieve what's being promised. And, and it's, I get so angry when I see things like that. I just because because it's duping people and it and it's creating unhealthy behavior. And so we're trying to reverse that and it takes a lot of work to reverse everything we've been told. Everything the the way in which health and fitness is presented 
we have to like totally back up the truck and start over. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you on that. And so, I mean, how do you take weight out of the equation when it's been so closely intertwined? Like, what do you suggest somebody doing for themselves if they can't kind of turn off that this is going to burn X amount of calories, or if I do this, then I might lose weight. Like, how do we turn that narrative or that voice off? Well, what I have the women I do is I have a set out journal that that, that they work from, but you don't need a specific set out journal. You can just, I think you need to record other measurements. So mm-hmm. how did I feel today? Like how, how, what was I grateful that my body could do for me today? What do I love about my body today? Like shifting the focus from, you know, because, because when I even say the word journal to my clients, there's this moaning groan because they associate journaling to calorie counting, or I ate um, three quarters of a cup of whatever, mm-hmm. right, where you're like tracking down to every single bite, which is a complete drag, nobody wants to do that. So this journaling is different. And so a lot of people will say, well, I don't like to write or I, you know, I don't want to do that. But, you know, I even recommend voice memos on your phone, yeah. where you can voice memo into your phone just at the end of the day, today, I was really grateful that my body, you know, did X, like I got up, I, you know, did some light stretching, I, you know, did the things I said I was going to do, I was integral to um, myself, you know, those type of things where we're doing different types of measurements, we're training our thought patterns into a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and really getting in touch with like how things feel versus how things look. Look, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's so important. And it's, it's, uh, it's a tough, I think it's a real tough thing to turn off. Like, I think it can take a long time to really not have those old thoughts pop pop back up. Like you have to fight them for quite a while. Because you have to fight, you have to fight your internal dialogue. But you also have to fight the external messaging constantly. Mm -hmm. So you have to really be fairly radical in in wanting to change because it's coming at you from every direction. Yes. Oh, I love that quote. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah, I think that's why it's really important to find spaces such as yours, um, the community that you've built and like really surround yourself with different messaging and mind set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. What are your th- I'm, I'm curious to know, so we're talking kind of about like, just setting different goals or intentions with movements. What are your thoughts on fitness goals? Like, do you think that they're a good idea for people? Are they ever not appropriate for an individual? I mean, I'm very goal orientated when it comes to my own fitness. But I it depends where somebody's mental position is because if you come from an obsessive background where it's like you know the the goals are overtaking your life um which which can happen right it can get it can be like a a situation where you know it becomes it becomes an unhealthy relationship with exercise or eating or whatever it might be specifically then maybe goals aren't a great idea maybe it's just about making you know having an intention to have some some movement in your life for me i 
like to be goal orientated because I need to be in order to reach the things that I want to do. There's there's a step-by-step process that needs to happen to get to the end goal. And I coach people with goals. So I think they are a good thing for people to staying on track. But there is a fine line for some people where it becomes destructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes like our self-worth can get tied up in the goal. And then it can be quite damaging or we feel like or we don't even starts or we become obsessive about it. Uh, So yeah, I mean, it is a tricky relationship. So for people who like goals, who feel like they can have a healthy relationship with them, what's your advice in terms of the best way to set a goal? Well, I usually base them on a SMART principle, which is specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. It's it's kind of a standard fitness industry use so that because there's a lot of unrealistic goals out there. But what I want to say about goals, because you touched on something very important, I see a lot of harsh perfectionism going on. And so when you set a goal, there there is room for peaks, valleys and plateaus. And there is room for ebbs and flows of life. So, you know, that's the thing is, if you get stuck in this goal, where it's like, I have this goal, and I have to do whatever it takes, no matter what to achieve it, then that starts to become kind of an unhealthy mindset where people get sick. People people have days where, you know, I was expressing to you before we were recording is that I, my energy has been a bit low this week. So that's life. And that has to be invited into the equation of these goals. So if well, I'm feeling tired, what? I, or am I lazy? Like what's happening to me? Am I failing? Like, we have to really ease up as women. I find that there's a lot of harshness and per, and striving for perfectionism when it's really unrealistic. So that's where that realistic goal setting comes in, where you can set a goal, but there must be room for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like in your experience, have you ever set a goal and not and not met it? Like, have you ever encountered that and felt defeated? How did how did you overcome that? If you did. Well, I definitely have. I've signed up for things, then, you know, started the training and then fell off. And, you know, there was a reason that it didn't work out. It was the timing was off or, you know, I just wasn't in the place where it was it was the right time for me to do that mentally or whatever time wise that happens. And yeah, I'm sure at the time there was a bit of a mental beat up. But what I encourage people to do, because I've learned from that, is, you know, that's, I, I encourage people to look at their timing very carefully and closely before they establish a goal now. But if you get caught in a situation where it doesn't work out, it doesn't mean that it's over. So what I call is we have to stop doing the the total global failure mentality where it's like, I failed and now that's never going to happen. And, and like we can really spiral down into that thinking. Mm-hmm. And what we need to re- recognize is that there's a lot of stuff going on in life and that certain goals take a lot of commitment and tenacity. And so it just might not have been the right time and that we need, you can't like having a negative, harsh attitude or inner dialogue going on is not going to aid in pushing you closer to any, any type of goal in the future. It, it, it actually just sets us back. Yeah, it's, it's almost like when we internalize the process of not meeting a goal or the outcome of not meeting a goal with 
I'm a failure. Like we identify then as a failure and then apply that to every area of our life. Like we, totally. we you know, we, which I'm, I'm totally familiar with. It's like something doesn't go your way. Uh, it doesn't work out the way you had wanted it to. And then you think, why bother? What's wrong with me? Like I've, I've totally had that spiral too. Yeah. That was the number one thing I wrote about in a newsletter yesterday with all or nothing thinking is the number one thing I said was to lower your expectations. Mm -hmm. Our expectations are really high. And that's not by accident. That is because we are presented with unrealistic expectations on a daily basis. So we start to compare and mm -hmm. think, well, you know, I'm supposed to be like what's being presented. And specifically in fitness media, and imagery and advertising, what's being presented is so far from what normal, everyday women look like, or, or what they're achieving. So it's like, we we have the these expectations that are so high, and then when we can't meet them, we become the global failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of times it's like we're we're looking at athletes, you know, and it's who train as their job. That's their job. That's their job. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you look at a, a fitness model that's on the cover of most magazines, they are in the gym probably four hours a day, literally four hours a day. That's that is their job. Yeah. And that's not even healthy, necessarily. Like the a lot of times those people take a like their their health takes a major toll later in life as a result of of doing that. You know, you see a lot of injuries uh, that people struggle with who were who were former athletes. And I think it's like we have to meet our bodies where they're at and be really realistic about what's possible given our circumstances and our body's abilities. And just and being peaceful with that too, like finding acceptance with like, you know, how we, you know, how we're kind of on to the media about how these beauty standards are kind of, you know, not realistic. We have to be on to fitness people as well. Like this is we're being dished a dish that is not realistic for most people. And so we're selling fitness products and fitness magazines and even fitness clothing based on this specific ideal that is almost impossible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's the same. It's the same stuff. Um, it's all connected. It's really all connected. Yeah. And I think I think that's why a lot of people give up really fast, too, is because they don't because like, I guess, I guess it comes back to trying to trying to do it all or really, you know, push yourself to the point of exhaustion, but you, you can't sustain it. So then you you just stop doing it all together. Exactly. And so it, it's a lot of like high expectations, too much, too fast, unrealistic goals. It, it's all tied into and where that will take you is to the nothing mode, mm -hmm. eventually, because you cannot sustain it. It's just like dieting. Yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by Superfit Hero. I am so excited to partner with Superfit Hero. When I asked you, my dear audience, which brands to reach out to, many of you mentioned them. 
Superfit Hero makes the best leggings on the planet. They were designed after four months of fit testing with athletes of different body sizes. Superfits don't slip, fall, roll, or pinch. They are squat proof, sweat proof, and have great big pockets. Best of all, they are size inclusive and they feature diverse models and body types on their website. So you can see how their stuff will fit on your actual body. I love their website. Superfit Hero, designed for confidence, made with love in Los Angeles. Go to superfithero.com and save 15% off your first order by entering the code SUMMER, that's S-U-M-M-E-R, at checkout. I want to talk about fear of failure. I know in your book, you mentioned that fear of failure held you back. And I'm curious to know when someone can identify if fear of failure is holding them back and what your advice is to work through that? So I hear a lot of resistance from people um, in various various situations in, in the coaching or the groups that I belong to. And so I often ask people to, to really examine what their resistance is telling them. Mm-hmm. So there is a story behind that resistance. And I, and I almost always feel like it's failure at the root. And we also have to recognize that there's a lot of shame underneath fitness. Yeah, because people are worried that they are going to look a certain way, or they're not going to be able to comp- complete what's being asked of them, or they're going to be left behind. And I mean, all those things that I was fearing as I was standing on the corner of the run group, they were all connected to shame. And um, so I asked people to really examine what their resistance is telling them. And, and like I said, it's almost always fear. And the way the only way to deal with fear is to go against it. Mm-hmm. There's not really w- any way to to skirt around it. It's this scares me. So I'm going to maybe not join a run group, but maybe I'm going to walk around the massage that fear and massage my my um, the muscle that that can combat that fear. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's as nobody really wants to hear the only way to combat fear is to smash it head on. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't have to be done in an extreme way from the beginning. It can be done in small incremental steps. I mean, I have people often say to me, I want to do a triathlon. And then I will say, well, you, you know, back the truck way up and let's start at the very beginning. Like, let's get you walking and then let's get you, you know, maybe in a run walk program. And then maybe, you know, in a year we'll hit the pool. Like it's a process. So it doesn't have to be like sign up for a sprint triathlon tomorrow and we'll meet you up, you know, like it doesn't have to be that. Yeah. And so when you are feeling that fear, what do you do? I've become so accustomed to it being part of my process now that I kind of experience fear as normal. (laughs) And it is something that I still just have to go up against. Yeah. So I have some pretty scary things happening this year. And I just I know I'm terrified. But I want the goal more than I want to live in fear. Yes, 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 yes. It's like the fear of not doing it has to exceed the fear yeah, of doing it. Totally. The The discomfort of actually walking through it is more appealing than not doing it. Yeah, and there's discomfort in, in both situations, which I, I think is always really important to recognize. That's something that I 
I'm always kind of, you know, uh, calling out in, in clients is, is just, well, there's discomfort in both scenarios. Like, why are you choosing one discomfort over the other? <laughs> yeah. I think people do that because it's more safe, but at the same time, do you want to be living with regret or wondering all the time? I, you know, what would it have been like if I had of A, B, C, or D, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So that this fear I think is, is uh, you, I've heard you mention that this is why so many people find fitness unapproachable. So what is your advice to someone to, to help get them started if they have not been engaging in any kind of fitness and um, they feel like they want to be moving their bodies, but they're, you know, there's just a lot of that fear and shame around it. I think like for me, the person and environment that I approached, I happened to get lucky that day. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that was by accident, but uh is the be all end all to a a good fitness experience that will propel you forward into more different fitness environments. So that really comes down to who you're going to train with or be coached by or taught by, and the environment in which you're going to do it. And so what I recommend to people, and I write a whole chapter about this in my book as well is doing a lot of due diligence in finding the right space. Mm -hmm. So you are allowed to interview trainers, you are allowed to ask them, how are they body positive? How are they all inclusive? A lot of you'll see a lot of buzzwords in fitness now, because it's become a buzzword. We are body positive, and we are all inclusive and all of that stuff. But you need to tell me how, Mm -hmm. like, if you don't have anything to back that up, then it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So do you suggest somebody then working with a professional, like instead of trying to do stuff on their own, if they're able to work with a professional? Yeah, not everyone is able to. So if you're not able to, I mean, I do recommend working with a professional. But if you're not able to, I highly recommend forming your own group. So whether that be I'm going to call my neighbors and we're going to meet on the corner on Wednesday nights at X time and we're going to do a walking program or just go for a walk or go to the rec center. Rec centers are usually subsidized and have lower fees, but accountability partners are a great way to diminish fear Mm -hmm. because you're not doing it alone. Yeah. And, And you also have somebody that you know, I have accountability partners after all this time. Like if I didn't, I wouldn't do half the stuff I do. Mm-hmm. It's it's really important. I mean, there are people that are lone exercisers, but they're typically type A, highly motivated people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, most of us aren't that person. Uh, we need the accountability. We need the coaching or the guidance through the activities we want to do. Yeah, 100% agree with that. I think I'm the same way with everything with whether it comes to, you know, my business or, you know, the fitness that I participate in, like I, I need people to tell me what to do. <laughs> and, and to, um, you know, keep me hold me hold me accountable to it in a way that, you know, makes me feel encouraged. And like, I'm not alone. Totally. Yeah, and so important. Yeah, I have accountability partners and I have a coach. So I I really see a lot of value in that being part of the sustainability plan. Yeah, 
Yeah, big time. And so let's talk about uh, a circumstance that I see often, which is somebody who wants to start moving their body but does not enjoy anything. Well, that is tricky because if you don't enjoy it, it is more difficult. But I have a hard time believing. I don't know if believing is the right word, but there's got to be something you enjoy. And I think it just needs to be unearthed. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I often say to people is, what was your favorite thing to do when you were a kid? Mm -hmm. So some people will say, well, I used to ride my bike a lot, or I used to play hide and seek, or I used to, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And maybe some people didn't do any activity when they were a kid. So that is that requires more exploring. What can we unearth here? Some people like to dance, whatever, but um, finding something that you can enjoy. And it's not always going to be joyful in the beginning. I will say that like, sometimes, sometimes if you are starting from really um, a foundation of no activity before, it can be hard, like it can be hard to get into the routine, things might hurt a little bit, you start to sweat, you start to breathe heavy, some people are very uncomfortable with those sensations. But Knowing that the more that you do something and doing it gently to start with, the more enjoyable it's going to come. So just to recap on what I just said, because it was very long winded, is to think about what you enjoyed as a child and see if there's something you can mirror that into as um, a adult exercise. So, you know, swimming, whatnot, uh, water aerobics, if you were a water person, and then also trusting in the process that it will get better if you're really not enjoying it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's, that's actually a really important statement. Because I know in the health at every size world, there's the notion of joyful movement. And I personally don't resonate with that a lot. Because I find movement to make me feel more joyful, like it helps me be more joyful in my life. But the movement itself, I'm like, it's good, it feels good when I'm doing it. But I, I probably wouldn't call it joyful unless I'm doing like a really cool hike. And, yeah. uh, and I don't and I don't know if that's, you know, maybe just my personal opinion. But I think I think it's important that sometimes it's like, it, it just is like, it's almost like brushing your teeth. It's like, it's, we do it. It's not bad. I think if it feels bad and you hate it, that's, that's maybe not the greatest thing. <laughs> but I think if it's kind of like, meh, but I feel good afterwards. And I know that this is like gonna, you know, that this is a way for me to take care of myself. And again, like movement is never an obligation for anyone. But if that if if you want to incorporate that into part of your self care routine, then yeah, I, I don't I don't always find it joyful when I'm doing it. I don't always find it joyful either. But I, I the activities that I participate in, I at least like them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think with the health at every size kind of statement of joyful movement, I think what they're trying to establish is that they don't want it to feel punishing and they don't want it to feel like something like, you know, like a grind that you have to do. And and because that's a lot of people are up against that with exercise. So yeah. I think they want to back the truck up and be like, this can be joyful. Yeah, I find most of the joy is afterwards. So so when you're you've, you've got a nice endorphin glow going, and it's like, I feel 
I feel really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we don't need another expectation. Things don't always have to be super positive. But I think it's like, <laughs> you just have to ask yourself, like, am I torturing myself? Am I yeah. am I punishing myself? Or am yeah. I doing this? And it's like, I'm okay with it. And I like it. And I want to come back yeah. and do it again. You know, I think that's, that's really what it's all about. I think that's the extent of the joy. I don't think you've got this big gleeful smile on your face while you're like, you know, <laughs> doing whatever. I think it's the extent of the joy is just that it was a positive experience and you want to go back and do it again. The only time I've had that is when I took a burlesque class. I I, I was smiling and giggling the whole time because it was hilariously amazing. And <laughs> I would say that if anyone's looking for something that really does feel joyful, I would check out a burlesque dance class. But that make be sure that they're body positive. I think most of them are, but... Yeah, they, they are pretty known for that. That's the other thing, too, is that I think that there is idealism around what fitness looks like. And a lot of people think it has to be CrossFit or it has to be running or it has to be, you know, hardcore. And there's so much option and opportunity out there like burlesque and and uh, there's water running. There's water running now. There's like all kinds of like these drum classes. Have you seen them? Yes, the those are so like, cool. Yeah, there's like clubber size now where you're kind of like just feeling like you're at the club and you're dancing. Like there's so much opportunity to move in a joyful way that's not your typical idealistic um, hardcore exercise. Yeah, yeah. And that's so, I think that's so important. I love, I think dance is such a good um, example of, of, of movement that is, joyful. And even if it's just five minutes in your bedroom, I think that that is a great place to start. Totally. So I, I'm really curious to know, in your book, you tell the story of going for your first half marathon and how the person who was giving out the race package assumed you were there for the shorter race. And you say, this encounter left me feeling like an imposter. I think so many people who experience discrimination can relate to that feeling, which I know you you identify in your book as social identity threat. And I've seen that whether, uh, you know, I've heard that from people, whether it's at like a doctor's office or a fitness facility or in conversation with friends, and it can really shake their confidence uh, in the moments and for a while afterwards. So how do you suggest dealing with and overcoming situations like that? I mean, how did you overcome that? And what do you, what's your advice for others who have experienced something like that? Yeah, the thing about that is that happens to me all the time, mm-hmm. like literally all the time. So it's, it's hard not to be snappy about it. You know, like, it's just like, Oh, I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of being judged by because of the size of my body. But what I would just recommend is to try to not be snappy about it. Um, and I just try to educate people like, you know, Right now I'm training for a half Ironman and I'll go to the store to buy a pair of running shoes and they'll be like, so are you doing like a walking club? And there's nothing wrong with a walking club, but it's just like, don't assume that because somebody is the size of that I'm at, that, that, you know, I just, I'm tired of people assuming what people's goals are and, and what they're capable of based on the body size. So yeah. I will just say to people, no, I'm not actually, this is what my training is. And this is what it requires. And this is what I'm looking for. And then they'll be like, Oh, 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 there'll be that for like a good 10 seconds. And then <laughs> we'll move on. But it's just, 
it is tiresome. It's I, I'm trying to really come up with some positive, uh, strategic things to say around that. But all you can really do is is be that representative and educate people that, you know, that person will probably never say that to somebody again after that, because they've learned from that encounter that that's that is size discrimination. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever say to them, like, don't assume anything based on my size? Or do you ever like call them out like that? No, but you know what, I should, I definitely should. Or, you know, just being in a run or something where people are doing the slow clap, like, good for you. Mm -hmm. You know, that condescending, like, oh, Mm hmm. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that from people where they, you know, they go to a gym and somebody will come up to them and be like, good for you. Or, or a trainer will just kind of come up to them and, and, and say, like, I can help you with your weight loss goals when the person's like, why, like, you just assume because of my body that that's what I'm here for, like, get out of here with your nonsense. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure the trainers that you have listening to this podcast are down with that not being cool. But, you know, that's part of the education program that I want to put together is the last thing that anyone should do is ever assume that somebody's goals are weight loss, Mm -hmm. or assume anything. Mm -hmm. You should never assume anything. You know, a good professional will sit and listen very intently to what the goals are and make a strategic plan around that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not that different from mansplaining when you think about it. Yeah, (laughs) totally. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the last thing I want to ask you is just kind of on the tails of that, because you mentioned just sort of being the change that you want to see. And I get a feeling that that is really a motto that you that you live by. How has that influenced your your personal journey? Well, I think that I originally started out as a personal trainer that wanted to offer what was being given to me by my coaches, but it's really turned into more of a, you know, like a advocacy where I want to change not just the way women approach fitness, I want advertisers and media makers to start to approach the way it's presented so that we can encourage more people to approach fitness. I honestly think that our industry is creating its own barrier, which I think is ridiculous. Like, and so yeah, for me, it's really influenced my path to become a voice for people to really think about the way that we're presenting a way in which can really change people's lives. But yet we are keeping that at bay from them. We're keeping millions of people on the sidelines because of the way we're presenting it and talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you are such a great role model and inspiration. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love I love seeing you out there. I love seeing you kick ass. Like it's just it's awesome. And um, I know you inspire so many others. So where can people find more of you? Um, most of the things that I'm up to are on my website, which is louisegreen.ca. Okay. And your book is Big Fit Girl. And it's awesome. So I highly recommend people picking that up if they want to get into movement and just have a better relationship with it. Yeah, I I that was another thing I really wanted something on the fitness bookshelves that was not get ripped abs in 21 days like I think we're done with that and I think 
that we need to have a new narrative around fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, do you have do you have online you have an online program for Big Fit Girl? Do you? I do have a Big Fit Girl online program that's six weeks. It's called Big Fit Girl Unleashed, and um, that will be found on my website. And we're also launching. Big Fit Girl 5K, which can be walked or run, and that's going to launch on February 24th. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So lots of really cool resources for people, If you, do, especially if you don't have, you know, help in your area, you want to you want to have someone who actually knows what they're doing and they're legit, then definitely check out (laughs) Louise's programs. That's so great. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always great to speak with you. Rock on. I hope you enjoyed that one. You can find all the links and resources mentioned at summerinandin.com forward slash 111. And I just want to give a shout out to Louise. She's an amazing trainer. If you are looking to change your relationship with movement or you want support and you want to work with someone virtually who you know is going to treat your body with the utmost respect that it deserves, then definitely check out some of her programs because she is truly awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. I will catch you next time. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on. Rock on.